Good morning once again. We're going to be in the uh, book of Numbers this morning, the book of Numbers. And we're going to continue in our study of the book of Numbers. Brother Lauren read a section of scripture there in the book of Hebrews. And I heard a message the other day that was speaking about Enoch. And he's and the speaker said, uh, you know, Enoch just told his, uh, his wife one morning that he was going to go for a walk in the woods. Never came home. Walked right into glory. What an interesting thought. In the book of Numbers, we're going to be looking at chapters 22, 23, and 24 for a short time as we read that the children of Israel have come up almost to crossing the Jordan River, almost prepared to go into the promised land. And we have these three chapters that sort of, to some people, seem to interrupt the progress. But I think that they are so complementary of the progress because we find in these verses of Scripture, in these chapters of Scripture, that even though the Lord sets up those people in their tents and it appears for a season that he has distracted himself from observing them and come over to deal with a situation, he is sharing with us that even Balaam is someone God has in his heart. As a king's heart is in his hands, he will turn Balaam to do whatsoever he pleases him to do. Balaam is not his own man. Balaam is in complete control of Almighty God. So is Balak. And so are all of the other people involved here. We've mentioned in the past a number of times that this is a clear picture of God Almighty being the absolute director of all things. And we find out that that's what the scriptures teach us. He is the director of all things. And he has for the good of his sheep, for the good of the church, for the good of his people, he is going to oversee all things. They shall be the actors. And everything else, as we heard read, are saws and hammers. <laughs> they are just the people beside. They are the props. We're going to think as we go through here that God never brings a train wreck on us. <laughs> He always has some purpose in it for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise, and for the good of the church. And so as we turn over here to the book of Numbers, we are brought straight up with a man by the name of Balaam. We've been reading about him a little bit through here, and we find out that he's called a prophet, he's called a sorcerer, he's called uh, this because... He has the notoriety, he has the reputation of being able to curse somebody and they're cursed. And he has the reputation by blessing some people, they are blessed. And Balak has heard about this and he sends for him. Well, the Bible has many passages of scripture that share with us about the character of Balaam. Balaam is a man that is God's going to use, God has a purpose in using but this man has no knowledge whatsoever of the covenant of grace, of salvation, or of God in his truest and purest sense. We find out as we read through the scriptures that this Balaam has, in fact, an uh, opposite of notoriety. He's infamous. 
Turn with me. We'd like to read a few verses of Scripture that share with us what the Bible has to say about Balaam. But keep in mind that every time we read about him, we find out that he is a person that is in the hands of God, and he will turn him whithersoever he wills. This is God in action. This is God protecting his people. We find the people over there camped, and this man is being hired to curse that people, and yet God has put his everlasting arms around his people. He has put a hedge about them. He is keeping them. He is watching over them, and he will bless them. And even though Balaam would love to get paid and paid a great deal to curse them, God said, they are a blessed people, and you will not curse them. He makes three efforts to do that, and every time Balak gets so upset with him because instead of cursing the people of God, God requires of him a blessing. But notice with me here in the book of Numbers chapter 31, if you would. Numbers chapter 31, we have a reference to Balaam and uh, it brings out a point of, or several points about him. In Numbers chapter 31 and verse 14, it says, And Moses was wroth with the officers of the host and the captains uh, over thousands and captains over hundreds, which came from the battle. And Moses said unto them, ye, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam, to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, God's people do not cause God's people to stumble. God's people do not cause God's people to go into, into idolatry or to worship uh, other things besides God. God's people encourage one another in the worship of the true and the living God. God's people have an interest in pointing people to Christ. And so Balaam is brought up here by Moses and said, he caused the children of Israel to trespass the Lord. Join me again, if you would, in the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, we have this infamous person brought up again. Chapter 23, verse uh, 3 through 5, it tells us here with regard to, to Balaam. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever, because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor of the Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into blessings unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. What a statement we have as Moses is closing up this book of Deuteronomy and sharing with us, even though this incident took place, and even though Balaam was hired to curse the people of God, they could not curse the people of God. It is the same today. It has not changed. They may have great curses against the people of God, but they cannot fulfill their curse against God and against his people. So nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken to Balaam. God withstood. God put himself in the way. He was the one that was protecting all of the children of Israel over there, even though they did not even know it was happening. 
He took care of them. In the book of Joshua, Joshua brings up the name of uh, Balaam uh, twice. Once in Joshua chapter 13. In Joshua chapter 13 and verse 22, we read these words about this man. He was used of God, but he was not of God. He was a prophet, but he was a false prophet. He was a person that God used to demonstrate that even the, the best hired people against the people of God will not prosper. God will shun them. In the book of Joshua chapter 13 and verse 22, it says, And Balaam also, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, Here's what we have God's word say about this man. He is a soothsayer. Did the children of Israel slay with a sword among them that were slain by them? So we have the end of Balaam mentioned here, but he's called a soothsayer. And Joshua brings us up. And then again in Joshua chapter 24, Balaam is brought up again. In Joshua chapter 24, and there in verse 8, the word of God shares this. As Joshua was caused to bring it and present it. Joshua chapter 24, verse 8, he said, And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. And Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, rose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, Beor to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. What a statement we find constantly through the scriptures. Even this guy had great reputation, and even though he had been noted of being able to do things, when it came to the children of God, he could not. Why? God has his hand around his people. His true church has this blood of Christ on them. There's nothing that can prosper against the church. God is going to oversee all things that take place, and he brings these things upon them. You know, this afternoon we're going to be up at the vet's home, and I'm going to be speaking from that simple little passage of Scripture that Jesus is walking along and sees a blind man. You know what those disciples said? Who did sin, this man or his parents? And the Lord goes on to say, just as we're going to find out with Balaam and Balak, they didn't commit this. They didn't sin and cause this man to be blind. But it's for the glory of the Lord. So as we find in the life of Balaam, he was raised up for one purpose, that I might show my power in you. Just as we read about Pharaoh, or we read about Pilate, or we read about Herod, these people were raised up for a purpose. They were raised up for a purpose to do what God had purposed before the foundation of the world to be done. And in it, so often we find that Christ is the sinner and they bring these men, God brings these men into his presence that they might be used to judge him as it was written according to the scriptures. Travel with me just a little further over to the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, we read these words about, again, about Balaam, the history he was a counterfeit. He was a liar. He was vain. He wanted money. He was doing these things for money. He hoped he could gain great wealth by doing these things. And yet we find that the Lord prevented all of that from happening. He was raised up for a purpose. He was hoping to curse God, but God had already declared, you will not. They are a blessed people. All right, Nehemiah chapter 13. And verse 1, Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 1, 
On that day they read in the book of Moses, in the audience of the people, therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite shall not come into the congregation of God forever. Now, you know, we find out in this there is exceptions. If they are in the covenant of grace, there are exceptions. As a regular rule, they were not to come. But we find out a famine took place a long time ago. A famine took place in Israel a long time ago. And as that famine progressed, there was a family that moved out because they had heard that there was food over in Moab. Now, there was one person in Moab that God intended for these people to share the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified with, and it happened to be Ruth. She was a Moabite. You know, under the law, she was prevented. Under grace, she's invited. It's the same with us. Under the law, we're prevented. Under grace, we're invited. Come, come. Goes on to tell us here, the Moabites shall not come into the congregation of God forever because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam. The opportunity was given. You know, I don't think Balak had even had a, had a thought in his head about bringing some bread over here and some water over here to take care of these people that are just wore out after 40 years of traveling. His only thought was to curse them. And so we find they will be hindered, they will be stopped. They hired Balaam against them that he should curse them, howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Let's go to the book of 2 Peter, if you wouldn't. The Apostle Peter was drawn by the Holy Spirit to mention this guy by name in the New Testament. He was a scoundrel. He is a rapscallion. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 2, we read about Balaam. As we find this line going through, and there's going to be these folks all along that are brought up, raised up, to give a little shudder to God's people. And then they realize, he can't hurt me. <laughs> he can't get to me. The blood of Christ is far more than this. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. Peter was called on to say that there's going to be a lot of false prophets in the last days. Well, he was reading about them then. Read, read about him in A.D. 100, A.D. 200, 300, 500, 700, 1500, 2023. Many. And he says here, which have forsaken the right way. These have forsaken the right way. And are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bazor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That was his whole thought, the wages of unrighteousness. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. And then he goes on, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, in whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. But Balaam, the son of Bazar, who loved the wages of righteousness... The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This man had an interest in gaining great personal wealth, and God stopped him. Okay, let's look at a couple more. One is found in the book of Jude, 
And he is summed up or grouped with two other individuals from the Old Testament. One of them is Cain, and the other one is Korah. And Balaam is mentioned in the midst. In the book of Jude, verse 11, Jude, verse 11, Woe to them. Now, Jude, again, was called on to mention that there's going to be people in the last days that are going to come on, and they're not going to be pre uh, preaching the gospel. They're not going to be pre presenting Christ. They're in it for their own wages. They're representative of this. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Now, what, what was the way of Cain? What, what did Cain feel towards his brother? What did he feel towards his brother's sacrifice? He was very envious. God had respect on Abel's offering, but he had not respect on his offering, on Cain's offering, the fruits of his own activity, the works that he performed. He was not pleased with it. He was very envious. In fact, he caught him out in the field and they're visiting. You can just imagine, oh, how I love you, my brother. I'll put my arm around you. On the other hand, he had a club and beat him to death. It goes on to tell us in that same verse of Scripture, it says, They have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. There was greed. And then in the last part it says, And perish in the gainsaying of Korah. Three infamous individuals from the Old Testament are summed up by Jude. The Holy Spirit gave him these words to write and said, These three guys represent so much about what God is not in. They're envious, they're greedy, and then it tells us here the gainsaying of Korah. You know what that means? He wanted a position. He wanted equality with Moses. He assumed, because he was of the same family, that he could rule Israel just like Moses did. And we find out that God demonstrated, I'll show you who is my man, who is my, in charge of by my choice, and if something happens that has never happened before, you'll know it was God. And so the earth opened up and swallowed him, and his position was soon out. Envy, greed, and desired a position. And then the last time that we find this man mentioned in the Bible is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 12. Revelation, chapter 2, and verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos. Revelation, chapter 2, and verse 12. To the angel of the church of, in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath us the sharp sword with two edges. Now, our Lord is not a monstrosity. This is a picture. This is a shadow. What is the two-edged sword? What is that mentioned? It's the Word of God. The Lord has the Word of God. You know the Lord always has the Word of God. He doesn't use anything else. When he was dealing with Satan in his great temptation, he didn't go and say, you know, I'm going to strike you dead. He just brought up the Word of God. That's all we have. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is what we use in battle. We do not use physical force. We use the Word of God. People get upset enough about that. So we use the Word of God. And it says here, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, 
even in the days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. I have some things against you, and they're exactly what Balaam brought there in the book of Numbers so long ago. It just continues down, continues down, and people have the same thing in their heart. They have the same greed in their heart. They have the same gainsaying in their heart. They have the same envy in their heart, unless God is gracious and changes them. We find, as we look at this, that there is a man mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 8. Would you join me there? that reminds me a lot of this man Balaam. In Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 9, it tells us that this man, in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 9, his name is Simon, and he also is called a sorcerer. Now, it also tells us that he believes and is baptized. I was mentioning to Mike this morning in my study, there was a young fellow that I got acquainted with, and Brother Henry Mahan was still alive, and I was visiting with him, and I said, what do you think about that young preacher? And he said, let's just wait a while. Well, let's just wait a while with Simon the sorcerer who makes a good profession. Here in the book of Acts, chapter 9, it says, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitcheth the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed. A man preached a sermon one time and he says, with John, with John in his school, with the, in the school of John the Baptist, that it was, they asked John, are thou the Christ? No, don't ever think that. I am not the Christ. You know, don't, we're, we're never to think more than we are of ourselves. My goodness, here's a man, some great one, to whom they all gave heed. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is a great power of God. Well, when you use sorcery and God in the same sentence or phrase, we find out we're talking about someone that doesn't know God. To whom they had regard because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done. Now when the apostles, which were in Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, please don't come to me and ask me what all that means, but I can tell you this. I can tell you this. This is not for sale. This blessing is not for sale. Whatever it is, it's not for sale. God does not sell these blessings. 
He goes on to say, and they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, what does he do? He offers them money. For what? Saying, give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, number one, he's not going to use it for good ends. And number two, he thinks he can purchase it by money. And God's blessings are not for sale. They are gifts God gives to his people. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives to his people. The blessings of God are gifts that God gives to his people. They're not for sale. Nobody can purchase them. Salvation is just a gift. It is not something that we appropriate to ourselves. Last Sunday, there was an individual that I uh, talked about something, and I said, you know, that just pictures God in his salvation. The creation of the heavens and the earth is a picture of God saving people by his grace. The atoms that were created had nothing to do with the creation. They were a part of it. And thus it is with us. God does not use what we have that he gives us grace and saves us as a result. He uses what we don't have, can't have, can't appropriate to ourselves, and that is absolutely not our works. We will not be saved by our works. So Peter said unto them, Thy money, verse 20, perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Could that be said about Balaam? Absolutely. Could that be said about Balak? Absolutely. Could that be said about Cain? Absolutely. Could that be said about Korah? Absolutely. Every one of these. Could it be said about Judas? Absolutely. You know, as we go back over here to the book of Numbers, we're going to find out that when God catches up with, with uh, uh, Balaam and brings to his attention... Balaam is going to say, I've sinned. I've sinned. Let's go over there. Let's go over there. The book of Numbers. Just making a quick reference to where we just were. Peter said, you have no part with us. All right. Let's go back to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 22. And in this chapter, we find out, and we've dealt just a little bit, but in chapter tw uh, 22, verse 32, you remember that Balaam, when those guys first came to him and asked him to come over and curse these people, Balaam said, I must go to the Lord. Now, if you read that, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. <laughs> I must go to Jehovah. Now, there's some things that Balaam didn't understand that he should have understood if he was a prophet. And that is, these people over here that I've been hired to curse are God's people. This is not just some rogue people. This is not just the report I've got from Balak. This is God's people over here, and I cannot curse them. But it tells us here in verse uh, 32, the angel of the Lord, after he had stopped, he used a donkey to speak two verses of scripture in the Bible. His donkey talked to him, and then 
God opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn. And the angel of the Lord is going to tell him, if that donkey had not stopped, I would have killed you. And then it tells us here in verse 32, the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thy donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. You're not in the right way. It's a perverse way. And the donkey saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Oh, he regrets getting caught. You know, this, there's a word over in the book of, keep your finger right here, but turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 27, if you would. Because this brings us to a point over there in the book of Matthew with regard to Judas. Same thing is happening here in Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 3. Now, Judas has been with the Lord Jesus for three and a half years. He's been called as a disciple, and the Lord from the very beginning said, one of you is a devil. I know it, but it's to fulfill the scriptures. This is what God intends to do. One of you is going to betray me. He knew it from the very beginning. He knew it before Judas was born. He knew the line all the way back to Adam for Judas. He knew where his parents were going to be born, where he was going to be born, and he's chosen as one of the disciples. He's sent out with two by two and then by 70. He is sent out, and here he has betrayed the Lord. He has kissed him and said, this is the one you want. He's getting paid 30 pieces of silver to do this. What do we find out with Balaam? For greed. What do we find out with Judas? For greed. And here in the book of Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3, Matthew chapter 27 And verse 3, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, and I've had people bring this, see what happened? Judas repented himself. Judas repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Well, this word is completely different, different than the word repent and believe. This word is so different, it means to care afterwards. I care after I got caught. I care after I sinned. I care. This is just like we find with Balaam. I care after I've got caught. I, I didn't realize that you're going to be so involved in my life. I didn't realize that you're going to be there in the way. And he said, I have sinned over there in the book of Numbers. Well, Judas said, I've sinned too. And he repented, and it says that means to care afterwards. To re that is to regret. I regret what I've done, but it didn't change him one iota. We do not find him crying out for mercy, and we do not find that Balaam cried out for mercy. Let's go back over there again. We'll find in that passage of Scripture, in the book of Numbers again, in chapter 22, the words of Balaam as these, as he comes to grips with who is speaking to him, in the book of Numbers, chapter 22 and verse 34, the word of the Lord says, And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, 
I have sinned. What is he telling us? Well, there's no sorrow in his heart about it, and there's no remorse at all. And in fact, he goes on to say, now, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. The Lord's already told him, I'm very displeased. You know, when Balak came, sent his emissaries the first time to Balaam, he said, I have to inquire of the Lord. The second time they came, he says, let me go inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said, if they come get you, go with them. The next verse, he said, he's saddling his donkey and leaving. The Lord never authorized that. The Lord, he is saying, this is my lattice work. And I'm going to demonstrate through Balaam my almighty power and that I'm watching over my people even when they don't even know that I'm in the area. And so Balaam, is, he's telling us, i sorry I got caught and I'll change my intentions. And God tells us here, And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princess of Balak. All of this takes place as we find that the Lord says, I will give you exactly the words to say. Do you know what? That's what Herod had to deal with. Pilate had to deal with. That's what Judas had to deal with. That's what everyone that was involved in the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ had to deal with. You will only do what I prescribe to be done. You know, it's a blessing that we find in the scriptures. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, and as rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Pilate said, don't you know? And Jesus said, you could do nothing except it was given unto you. Now, if all of that is in the hands of God towards all those lost people, what is required by saved people? God must still give us his word, and we don't turn one tick of our clock in order to attract his attention. It's all prescribed by Almighty God before the foundation of the world. Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given from above. That's what we find the word of the Lord shares with us with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. The most high ruleth in the kingdom of heaven. He's in charge. He's the one that is overseeing all things. He's protecting his people right over there. You know, when we get through with chapter 24, we're going to go right back to the children of Israel. And you know what they're doing? Sinning. God's protected them for these three chapters while he, they're kind of over there and waiting and waiting for going into the children into the promised land. And there's a whole bunch of those that don't know the first thing about the gospel. You know, by nature, none of us do. And we find out in time, God applies the gospel to his people at the right time and at the right place because the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And he also says, he says, setteth over it the basis of men. Natural man, it is worst condition. He puts over us. God has all things in and under his control. And Balaam is no exception. There's nothing that's going to happen here that God has not prescribed to happen. And as we follow him, 
And we follow Balaam there, we find out that he is going to be exactly in the right place at the right time to do exactly the word of God on God's behalf. And the children of Israel will not be cursed. Even Adam was not out of God's almighty view. In the fact that he had all things worked out, prepared, and taken care of before the foundation of the world. He had a people's names written in the book of life. He had a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He had agreement made between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to shed the blood of Jesus Christ on the behalf of certain, and the Holy Spirit would find them, and God the Father had already given them. This is not a mistake. When, when were those, where were those that God intended to save in the death of Adam? They're already in Christ. Adam died, and God has purposed that he must send his son. But they're already in the Lamb's book of life. They're already in the mind of God, and they're already purposed to have the blood of Jesus Christ's blood shed for them. When did God the Father do this? Just like he did with Balaam. It was all set before Balaam was ever born. Balaam will be used for this purpose. Balaam will try to curse God's people for money, but he will not, and he will be restrained. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hebrews, chapter 13, we read in this blessed passage of Scripture about the blood of the everlasting covenant. In Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 20, the Scriptures share with us this. Now, the God of peace, Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 20. It says, Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Now, what power did God use to raise the Lord Jesus is the same power that is required to raise us from our spiritual death. The same power that it took to raise Jesus Christ is the power that God uses to raise his people from spiritual death. And it's the the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Every good gift and every blessed gift comes down from God, and they're eternal gifts given to the church. Nobody can interfere. Nobody can stop. Nobody can stifle the gifts of God to the church. We can't even. You know, the children of Israel that went on and sinned. We have all court sorts of people in the Old Testament as well as the New sharing with us that our very existence is dependent upon God and our life is dependent upon God. And even though we are saved by grace, we are sinners to the core. God never saved the flesh of Moses. God never saved the flesh of David. God never saved the flesh of Abel. God never saved the flesh of but in that day, when we're raised to newness of life, that will be changed and there shall be no more curse and no more tears and no more pain. The blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, in conclusion, would you join me back in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Numbers, chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 35, and the scriptures share this. 
the angel of the Lord, the angel of Jehovah, the messenger of Jehovah, said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went, and with the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he came out to meet him into the city of Moab, which is the border of Arnon, which is the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did not I earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went into Balak, and they came into Kerjathzeus. And Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to, or Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. We're going to get a view of Israel. Balaam is going to see Israel for the first time, and he's going to be charged to, to uh, curse him. Was Balaam a servant of God? Yes. Did he know God? No. No more than that donkey did. God used a donkey, a dumb donkey, to talk to a man that saved his life, physical life. But we're going to find out that Balaam knew not the first thing about salvation or grace or anything else. He was a servant of the Most High God. We're thankful as we go through the scriptures that we find out there are people that are servants of the Most High God that know something about God and know something about His Word, and they have been called to speak the Word of the Lord and the Word of the Lord only to His people. That's all we have. That's all we have. We are just reporters of the report that God has given us in His Word. And the report that God has given us in His Word is, To some, I've raised you up for this purpose, that I might show my power in thee. And others, I've raised you up for this purpose, that I might show my grace in you. I'm thankful for grace. And in grace, we see the great power of God. But it's not against us. It's on our behalf. Oh, the grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I don't know how many people heard Judas in his preaching. It doesn't tell us in the Word of God. But I know this, that when he said a word about Scripture or about God, he didn't know the first thing in his heart about him. I read about Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus didn't know a thing about God until God revealed it to him, and now I'm, I would listen to him anytime. You know, Ju- uh, Balaam did his dead-level best to curse Israel, and he couldn't. And Moses did his dead-level best to preach the gospel to the people in his day. And you know what it tells us there in, in the book of Hebrews? He condemned the world. Eight people. He didn't have that as an interest. 
He condemned the world by the preaching of the gospel. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were on the outside. You would think in that day and time there would be somebody that would go up to Moses and say, What's going on here? What are you doing? But it tells us in the scriptures that they all mocked him. They mocked him. Why? No grace was shown except for eight that were in that ark that God purposed. There wasn't an extra bed in that ark, and there wasn't one too few in that ark. He was eight souls were delivered after preaching for 120 years. Grace, grace, amazing grace. Brother Mike. 